0: I'd like to welcome our speaker for today, Susan Jones, Senior Risk Management Consultant here at MICA. Sue has worked in the healthcare field for over 22 years as a healthcare risk management stroke patient safety specialist, researcher, and educator. Sue has garnered extensive experience as a clinical risk manager for hospitals and trauma centers, and also managed a 12 physician outpatient pediatric and adolescent practice, where she helped train the practice staff in operating an electronic medical record. Sue earned a Bachelor's Degree cum laude from Temple University in Philadelphia and obtained her nursing license in 1997. She also holds a certificate in Paralegal Studies from the Harris School of Business, obtained her Six Sigma training in 2010 and became a certified professional in healthcare risk management in 2013. Over to you, Sue. Hello, and welcome to the Mutual Insurance Company of Arizona's webinar on Dealing with Difficult Patients. The objectives of the program today will be, what are the causes of difficult behavior? What are some of the de-escalation techniques? Responses to threatening or aggressive behavior and documenting that behavior in the medical record. So some of the causes that are listed here are angry patients of families sue for a variety of reasons. These are generally the most popular that we see. They want answers that they're not getting. Um, there's billing disputes regarding their medical record. There's missed details about the care in the medical record or they feel that there are missing details about the care. The patient or the family feels desperate and are devastated and and their care is not being taken care of. They are reacting to a physician or a practice's actions where that would be a situation where uh, someone in the practice becomes defensive and they get into a kind of a brawl with the patient or the patient's family member. The patient or family member has mental health or psychiatric issues or functional impairment issues, which uh, causes them more frustration than normal. A physician who's less experienced with dealing with angry or um, disgruntled patients uh, has trouble communicating with those patients or their family members or has less desirable psychosocial skills. The old saying goes is communication is the key to a happy doctor-patient relationship. Then there's also the thought physician or practice rushed or ignored the patient or the family member through, given the fact that most care in an office is rendered with with about 15 minutes from the time that the physician enters the room to the time they leave the room. A lot of times a patient will feel like their care or their questions were not answered in an appropriate fashion. And how the patient or family feels about the physician is a a huge one too. You could be a wonderful doctor, but if your bedside manner, or your website manner is pretty poor and you're not a good communicator, this could cause uh, anger and frustration with the patient and their family uh, as well. Obstacles to management. Those would be identifying and address, addressing reasons for difficulty early. Uh, so the old saying goes is that you want to make sure that you're assessing your patients uh, early on to see if they are p- potentially problematic patients, because many times they'll start showing uh, cues that they are difficult, whether it be pacing in the waiting room, rolling their eyes, uh, starting to get escalated with their, you know, their, their tone and their language starts to escalate. Um, so there are cues that you will see with patients um, that may be starting to become difficult. And spending time with a difficult patient is in itself difficult. They're time consuming, often exhausting to deal with, they take up a lot of time and energy. And so you wanna make sure that you've got staff or yourself as a physician, um, you are trained in order to deal with patients um, in order to de-escalate them from getting um, any further um, escalated, but it does take a lot of time and energy. These are the reasons, uh, again, with why patients become upset and angry their expectations have been unmet. They, they go into the doctor's office with a certain agenda and they don't feel that agenda has been served. And so they don't feel that their expectations have been met. They're not getting the test or medication because the physician believes it's not medically indicated. Oftentimes a, a, a patient will inter, uh, Google the internet, looking up their either their symptoms or what they think is their diagnosis. And they might even come up with ideas on what kind of test they think they need or the type of medication they think they should be given. And then they go into the doctor's office and they are refused that that test or that medication, and then they become frustrated and angry. And so it's very important there that we also communicate with the patient why a certain test or a medication is not medically appropriate. They're dissatisfied with the care, and that could be for any reasons whatsoever, even if the perception is that you gave what you thought was great quality of care, that patient may not think it was the best care. Patients that don't comply with the treatment recommendations and instructions, oftentimes we call them non-compliant or non-adherent patients. You wanna find out why they are non-compliant or non-adherent and not just they're being lazy or they just don't want to follow the treatment plan. Patients who are frustrated and angry often continue to complain after each and every visit. And it generally will escalate to anybody who will listen to them, from the front office person to the office manager. Oftentimes, as well, a difficult patient will use disrespectful words or actions, should use cursing a lot or threatening behavior. And of course, that includes verbal abuse. Possible triggers common discourtesies, um, what we see often, interrupting others while speaking. Even though your time is valued, you still want to make sure that you give an open ear to that patient when they're trying to explain something that's going on with them. Not accepting responsibility for actions. So say we've had a misdiagnosis or a failure to diagnose, we wanna make sure that we're upfront and truthful with the patient to let them know that we will be taking care of their care. Whining, Uh, this is a big one that often Brings patients to be disrespectful is that you are complaining about the patient themselves. It it's okay to complain about a patient to another colleague, um, but we want to make sure that that's off the record and we're not um, saying that outright. The patient also feels that you're either lying or not telling them the whole truth or admitting things that they want to know, especially when it comes to diagnoses that they may not um, be able to handle very well. So you want to make sure you're upfront and truthful as best as possible and also when not sharing information and that goes with along with lying. So we have several emotions. Here they are listed, acceptance, anger, contempt, disgust, fear, joy or happiness, sadness, and surprise. And this is the emotions that most people run through. Anger is that unfair treatment. They're blocked from pursuing a goal. So this is where you have that disgruntled patient who often complains to the, the physician and the staff. A contempt is where you have an, an immoral action. Disgust is when you include a noxious stimuli. Fear is that real or perceived threat of psychological, emotional, or physical harm. And this is a big one: the fear, uh, whether it's perceived or not. Um, this is a is one that is uh, generally you see with a lot of disgruntled patients. Joy or happiness is the well-being or pleasure of the patient. Surprise that sudden or unexpected surprise and sadness, which includes loss. Responding to and managing negative emotions, possibly or likely results of un- unmanaged negative emotions, effects on a person experiencing them, and effects on the person observing them. So, you want to have immediate or initial responses to negative emotions. And when we say immediate, we mean you know, you're right there to handle the situation, but you're not. Um, overwhelming the patient. So appropriate management would include acknowledging their concerns or their upsetness, disarming that patient by letting them speak their mind and getting it off their chest. Oftentimes, once you allow a patient or a a family member who's disgruntled to explain what's causing them, um, their difficulty, they will often calm themselves down Redirecting the energy, especially if they're starting to escalate, you want to make sure that we are redirecting energy and that would be including possibly even limit setting or um, talking about protocols and procedures that they need to follow. You want to be sure that you're remaining objective because there are patients and family members who do have legitimate concerns and they, you should be often listening to them. Exploring the origins of the emotions, try to find out and unpeel that layer of the onion to see what's going on underneath that's causing such concern. And often, you also you want to make sure that you're caring for yourself because if you're not taking the time to care for yourself, you're not going to be able to take care of others. So you want to own the solution, make a positive impression on the patient or the family member. Your body language speaks volumes. So you want to make sure that you are contr- you are showing that you are have an air of um, authority about yourself, but that you're not being threatening at the same time. So your body language often speaks um, when your language is not. You want to make sure that the tone that you're using in the with your voice is not condescending or threatening. Um, you know, there's a difference between I'm not upset and I'm not upset. So you want to make sure it's not what you say; it's how you say it. The other thing is you wanna make sure that you're actively listening, and that includes sitting quiet and listening to what the other person is saying. And if you can, often give feedback by saying, I think what I hear you saying is such and such. And you wanna make sure you avoid sounding defensive or arguing. Again, this patient or their family member could be very difficult and emotionally exhausting for you, but we don't wanna get ourselves in a situation where we become defensive because this will just escalate the situation. You want to observe the surroundings around you, not just what's going on with you and the patient, but also what's going on around. Because, for instance, if a patient starts to escalate in a waiting room and there's several people in that waiting room, a lot of times an audience will often escalate the person to get even more out of control. So what you want to do is observe your surroundings and, if need be, remove the person from the audience or remove the audience from the person and use practice-approved cues to alert others to an escalating situation. Oftentimes in a doctor's office, um, they'll use a sign like uh, thumbs up or, you know, please call Dr. Green, which there is no Dr. Green. It's just a kind of a call to say this, this situation is escalating and we may need to involve a higher authority, being a physician, office manager, or maybe even calling the police. So to continue to own it, you want to involve an authority figure, like I was just saying earlier. um, If the patient continues to escalate and you cannot control it yourself, you definitely want to involve another person, especially if you can somebody who they will look at as an authority figure, whether it be a physician, the office manager, maybe the billing manager, or even the police if need be. Never meet to agree with an angry or threatening patient or family after hours or when no one is in the office. This is just a setup. Um, for you know, for potential issues. Um, you always want to make sure that when you're dealing with an angry family member or patient that if you are in an office and somebody's not in another room with you that there's someone nearby so, should you need a buddy to help you with the situation. So, uh, meeting with someone alone just opens up the door for there to be potential issues. Report threatening or abusive contact to the physician or practice administrator. As I said earlier, um, you... Patient has the right to air their grievances, but they should also air those grievances with respect to the person they're talking to. To start threatening a person or start verbally abusing them by using swear words is not appropriate and should be um, told to the patient that they need to um, conduct their behavior in a more appropriate manner. And there are other considerations. There are times where patients will just refuse to continue to cooperate, will always be threatening or always be disgruntled. And you may wanna consider terminating the physician-patient relationship. So there's what they call the universal upset patient protocol, otherwise known as UUPP. So it's the patient, the coworker, colleague appears upset. Basically, you take some deep breaths, you remember the protocol, you you UPP, you sound, look really upset. And then the person says, you bet I am, or no, I'm not upset. I'm angry, frustrated, hurt, sad, furious, whatever their emotion is. Second response is clarifying, chance to vent and step forward. So what I'm hearing you say is you're angry, frustrated, hurt, sad, furious, or whatever their emotion is, Um, and give them the opportunity to vent further if they need to. So, why don't you tell me a little bit more about it or tell me what has happened? And then here's where we want to be actively listening. And then, when finished, you want to look at them and possibly say something along the lines of, "I'm so sorry this has happened to you," or "I'm sorry you feel this way." We don't need to say, "I'm sorry, I made you feel this way," or "I'm sorry I had this happen to you because it's not you that caused their problem. it's it's their problem. So we never want to we always want to be able to say, "I'm sorry that you, feel this way or I'm sorry this happened to you. Continuing with the universal upset patient protocol, you you know, is after you hear what their grievance is, is what would you like me to do or to do to help you? Listen to what they are saying. Think about what you can and cannot do or are willing or willing not to do. Willingness or unwillingness may indicate a boundary. There may be things that the patient wants you to do that not only you can't do, but you will not do. I want you to change the medical record to to change my diagnosis to this versus this. And if that's not appropriate, you would not be willing to do that. And you would respond to them appropriately as to what you can or cannot do are willing or not willing to do. If you will accommodate the person, uh, thank them for trusting you and thank them for letting you hear what was going on with them, and, st- and then you can move on to the next issue. If you're not willing to accommodate them, tell them telling, telling them why you're not going to, and thank them for trusting you, with letting you know what's going on. So non-compliant patients are, are tricky in the fact that not all non-compliant patients or non-adherent patients are doing it purposefully. Some are, some are just trying to be manipulative, just flat out don't wanna follow the, the, the treatment plan. Uh, for whatever reason, but you want to try to explore the origin of what's causing this non-compliance. Is it their capacity to understand? Is it they don't, you know, can't read at a certain reading level? Um, they have medication side effects. There's an underlies underlying disease process going on that's causing some mental health, mental issues with them in understanding. They, English is not their first language. Uh, These are just a variety of things that could cause non-compliance. And you wanna make sure that you document this and not in that you don't wanna document patient is non-compliant or patient is not adherent. You wanna try to spell out why they are not compliant or adherent Um, and what your efforts were to assist the patient to comply with their medical treatment plan and what the consequences of not complying are. And then of course, if they continue to refuse, say a treatment or a procedure, you wanna make sure that you document and get the patient to sign an informed refusal form, realizing um, after hearing the risk benefits and alternatives that they are continuing to choose not to have something done. Informed refusal is as inform- is a- as important as informed consent, and you wanna make sure that that is documented. When you have the caller on the telephone, um, again, we you want to try not to put the caller on hold, or if you do need to put them on hold for as short a period of time as necessary. um, This is often an area of contention where patients or family members call the office and they're put on hold for long periods of time. The often otherwise nice, happy-go-lucky person all of a sudden becomes very frustrated and angry. So if you can't um, take care of them right away, offer to take a message, promise that you will relay that message to the appropriate person and that you'll get it to them as quickly as possible. If you can, give them a time frame of when they will hear back. But I would not suggest giving them a time frame, saying the office manager will call you back within a half an hour. If you know it won't be till the end of the day, um, so you don't want to make promises that you cannot keep. If there is abusive or inappropriate language on the phone, you can inform the caller that you can you will continue the conversation when you can discuss c- this situation without profanity. And it's okay after you have told them that to hang up the phone. When the situation escalates, and there will be cases of patients or family members where you've tried to do everything in your power to de-escalate the situation and they continue to escalate. And this is because we were unsuccessful in our attempts to defuse the situation. At this point in time, you do not wanna continue dealing with the person by yourself. You wanna involve an authority figure if possible if the situation starts to become aggressive or even threatening, you wanna either call 911 <clears throat> um, or, you know, call the police. Um, and you don't wanna to say to the patient at that particular time, if you don't calm down, I'm going to call the police because if they are not already agitated, that though they will take as a threat and will become more agitated. So you wanna have some sort of cue with other members in your practice of, either, you know, call Dr. Green or a thumbs up that says, we need to get other people involved. Um, and you wanna make sure that you document what happened in the patient's medical record objectively as possible. So after this occurs, we've had a patient who has acted out and now they've calmed down and we're trying to salvage the relationship. You wanna make sure that you have sharpened communication skills. Take more time with the patient or the family because we wanna make sure that after we de-escalated the situation we took care, we wanna look at what happened to get us to that point in the first place so we can prevent it from happening again. And if need be, this is where you might have to set appropriate boundaries moving forward, sometimes called limit setting, Um, giving the patient some uh, um, choices to make and given the choice that they choose is what the outcome will be. Um, Oftentimes that makes a patient or their family member feel a little bit more secure because at that point, they're, they're feeling that there are some boundaries and that someone is taking care of them. And you want to make sure that your discussion is very candid with the patient or family, what you will and will not accept in your practice. You want to definitely document the problem and the efforts to manage it. Again, we don't want to be subjective and say, you know, the patient was a pain in the neck and I I needed to calm them down because they were um, being boisterous and noisy. You want to be very objective about, you know, the patient had a complaint about such and such. Um, These are the intervening measures that we took and you want to spell it out objectively as possible. If if need be, uh, and you're thinking about terminating the patient from your practice, make sure that you read third-party payer or um, physician agreements as they relate to the patient to make sure that if you are terminating from from a patient with an insurance, that you're terminating them under the insurance contract as well. So if you are thinking of terminating the patient relationship, you want to explain the change in the relationship to the patient and document it. This is the reason um, we no longer have a working behavior or that you are constantly using profanity in my office against my staff and myself, and this is unacceptable behavior um, in our practice and therefore we're asking you to seek care elsewhere, whatever it is that you're going to be using, The language. State the reason for the change, breakdown in a physician-patient relationship, non-payment, whatever. There are situations where you're gonna want to terminate the patient but not give a reason, And oftentimes we suggest you would just write, we no longer have a working relationship. The patient I can trust, I can assure you will know that they're, while they're being terminated from a practice, but this way you don't have to spell it out. And and in some cases, escalate the problem even even further. You want to provide uh, professional and um, required notice. And generally this is 30 days notice to let the patient know that you will take care of them for the next 30 days um, and that they need to seek care elsewhere. You do not need to find them another physician. They just need to either go to their insurance company, they can go to the um, local department of health, um, the nearest hospital or whatever to find their care. You're just required at that point, um, if they do find another physician is to offer a means to make a copy of the medical record to send to the new provider of care. You want to make sure that when you're terminating the patient that you advise them of how important it is to continue care, even though they won't be continuing care with you, but with another physician. Okay. I, as I said earlier, you want to offer a copy of the medical record, and you want to make sure that the termination letter is sent to the patient, both U.S. and certified mail. That is because if the patient refuses to sign the certified mail, um, and they live at the, the postal address, the regular mail will be delivered to the patient. Using caution, if you're going to discharge a patient from your practice, there's a couple of areas where you want to be very, very careful before you do. One is that they're in an acute medical condition. So say this person is post-op day one from a surgery. Um, This would not ideally be the time that you would want to discharge a patient from the practice. You would want to make sure that they are stable, uh, recuperating well uh, before you try to discharge them. The patient has some disabilities um, which is causing their uh, difficult behavior. You want to make sure that you've tried to address all of them and that you're meeting those needs through the ADA or the American Disabilities Association. And the third one is pregnancy. Uh, It is not wise to try to discharge a pregnant patient in their third trimester of pregnancy. You would probably be better off making sure the mother has the delivers the baby, the mother and the baby are fine before you decide to discharge those patients because we don't want you to have a potential claim for abandonment of care. And again, as we said, it's so important that you document um, what is going on in the patient's medical record. Obviously, it identifies the patient, explains the medical necessity of the treatment that you were trying to provide. It is a repository for lab and test results and the medical record also promotes the continuity of care and collaboration among the healthcare members, and it's proof of advice, warnings, and instructions that you would have given to this patient. So subjective, here's just some examples. Um, Who said what? You wanna uh, identify the speaker, things that cannot be corroborated. So subjective would be what the patient or the family member is telling you. And if you can use quotes by saying the patient told me, I'm not going to get my mammogram because I don't have insurance. I'm going to wait until I get my insurance before I get my mammogram, quote unquote. And that shows that the patient said that that, that's not something that the the healthcare provider said. And you want to be as uh, descriptive as possible. So such as you know, threatening is a vague word or, you know, something better would be like patient was thr- uh, shaking their fists or they were using a loud voice or yelling. Um, they were standing within my comfort zone less than six inches from me. Um, so this gives more of a picture of what was going on with the patient. Again, you want to make sure with objective that it's measurable. These are things like vital signs and things that, you know, you have observed. Again, we want to be very um, factual with our information as opposed to patient needs a bath versus patient's hair is oily and has a strong scent of body sweat. Much more descriptive, gives you a picture of what's going on with the patient. And again, we don't want to be blaming or assuming in our documentation. And accuracy is very important. You want to make sure that the medical record is reflecting the patient's current medications, their current allergies, drug actions, and any other Uh, issues going on with the patient's care. If you need to talk about left side, right side, front or back, you wanna make sure that you're using the appropriate terminology, date, time of the, the appointment that you've had with the patient and the patient's information. Again, you wanna make sure that the patient's documentation is memorializing the care so that no matter what other care provider picks up that medical record, they can read it and find out exactly what's going on with the patient. So here are just some examples of patients who become upset and angry, and um, and how we can handle them. The patient's overdue bill was sent to a collection agency. The patient the patients in the process of buying a house and the bill, and the bills on the credit report. The patient was angry and yelling. After review, we realized the patient was never billed, and so the patient had every, every right to be angry. So of course, this is a situation where we would get involved, apologizing for the error, making sure we correct the error so that this is not a problem for the patient moving forward. The the another example is this is a new patient that did not complete the forms online and was asked to fill out an appointment. At the appointment, the patient became angry and yelling, saying the receptionist was disrespectful what we realized after talking with the patient is that he had low literacy and could not understand or complete the form. So instead of embarrassing them, um, we needed to handle it in a, in a much more um, empathetic way in order to help the patient fill out the forms. So there are legitimate reasons why people can become angry and upset and somewhat disrespectful. So in summary, you want to know your emotional triggers and recognize them in the moment. There are going to be people that are just going to hit your, hit your hot buttons, and you may not be the appropriate person who needs to deal with them, and you need to have the emotional intelligence to know when it's time to hand somebody off to someone else who might be able to better handle the situation. You want to make sure you're using effective coping mechanisms during and after the encounter. Like I said earlier, Patients who are difficult can be very emotionally exhausting, and you want to know how to t- take care of yourself so that not only can you handle these situations, but take care of yourself safely after the fact. Um, find the reason for the difficult behavior. Oftentimes, if you let, allow the patient to talk and start asking some probing questions, you'll find out that there's some things going on you know, with those layers of the onion, and that once you find out what's really going on, a lot of times those situations can be handled. Again, uh, uh, involve an authority figure if need be. And you wanna make sure that staff and patient safety processes are in place for uncontrolled escalations. And that means training your staff, not only to recognize potential patient issues, uh, but also how to handle them as well and when to call for help when needed. And last but not least, we can't say it enough, you wanna make sure that you're documenting these situations in the medical record, just like you would a normal uh, documentation And these are the references if you have any questions. And thank you for joining the Mutual Insurance Company of Arizona with dealing with a difficult patient.